Welcome, welcome to a very special Halloween edition of the Present Beyond Measure show at Thanksgiving time. Today's guests are three wild and crazy guys who regularly blow up the airwaves with their scary smart analytics expertise and razor-sharp humor. Stay tuned to find out who's creeping around. Present Beyond Measure, episode 10. <laughs> welcome to the Present Beyond Measure show, where you'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating and delivering data visualizations and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions, change hearts, and enlighten minds. If you're ready to get your insights noticed, remembered, and acted upon, you're in the right place. Now your host, Leah Pika. Hello, my listeners. Welcome to the 10th episode of Present Beyond Measure. This is a very special episode. When Halloween was around the corner, I thought it might be really fun to gather kind of a spooky collection of presentation horror stories. I have a few that are fresh in my mind. This is a topic very near and dear to my heart because no matter how many precautions I take, no matter what I do... It seems like there are tiny gremlins completely messing with my presentations, whether it's technical issues, a tough audience, weather, I don't know. There's actually a, one of my favorite Super Bowl commercials was by Emerald Nuts, and it shows this office where everyone is hitting the 2 p.m. afternoon slump, and it says, when you hit your 2 p.m. slump, Robert Goulet comes down from the ceiling and messes with the stuff on your desk. And I thought that was hilarious. And I've come to believe in my heart, my deep soul, that Robert Goulet is also coming and screwing with your presentations. I know he is with mine. I couldn't find a better way to honor these presentation gremlins at Halloween at Thanksgiving time than bringing on three of the analytics community's favorite gents direct from the Digital Analytics Power Hour. These guys present pretty much as often as my toddler crashes our bedroom at 3 a.m. They couldn't resist the chance to share their darkest presentation tales of woe. Now, I loved recording this episode. It was so much fun. I can't wait to share it with you. Now, before we jump in, I'd just like to take a moment really quick to mention that my workshop with the Digital Analytics Association in lovely Atlanta, Georgia, is just around the corner. You can catch me live on December 10th for... It is a virtual fire hose of tips on how to upgrade your presentation and data viz skills with best practice principles based in neuroscience and tons of tricks that are going to save you valuable time. So if you are in Atlanta and you're ready to create slides and charts that create a measurable impact on your credibility and your indispensability, you're ready for a workshop with me. So hop on over to leahpika.com slash DAA workshops, plural, to sign up before all the seats fill up. All right, let's get to the gory good stuff. Hello, I am thrilled to introduce today's guests. They host one of the only digital analytics podcasts and Every episode, they dish out a heaping bowl of analytics prowess with a side of rapier dueling wits or trialing trio. I don't know. Um, They actually hosted me on their episode 17, which was very nice of them. And today they've offered graciously to share their deepest, darkest presentation horror stories in honor of Halloween near Thanksgiving time. too much. My first guest is rocking a senior partnership at Analytics Demystified. His undergrad degree is in art and design, which to this day amazes him because he can't draw a straight line without a ruler. He stumbled into the world of effective communication because he stutters and stammers his way through daily interactions, and he realized that doesn't work well when you're talking about data. Please help me welcome the grumpy cat of analytics, Tim Wilson. Bah! (laughs) Oh, Hey, is this thing on? Yeah. Hey, Leah. Oh, hi. Thanks. <laughs> let, me, let me wreck your professional <laughs> demeanor and intro. 
My next guest is the analytics practice lead at Search Discovery. He started loving visualizations of data when he figured out that it helped him explain what was going on with the web trends reports he was creating. And it's just been history from there. But being a public speaker doesn't actually come naturally since he's an introvert, which I can relate to. But he figures if Tim Wilson can do it, so can Michael Hotlana Helbling. Welcome. Howdy, (laughs) y'all. Not bad for a Cleveland boy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oops. <laughs> and, you know, I, I will say, Michael, that my favorite part of every episode of uh, Analytics Power Hour is your intro of the next guest, the CEO of Napkin and Biabage Systems, if I said that right, introducing the artist formerly known as Jim Kane, who's from Canada. Hi. So <laughs> I got Hi. <laughs> <laughs> He's still working with the use of the word rapier later, uh, earlier, so. Oh, boy. Trying to keep it clean here for you. I I should have known myself. Yes, we are keeping that clean label on for tonight, gentlemen. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you guys on finally. And I didn't get to actually say this on your episode, but now since it's my show, I can say it. I can't wait to grab the low-hanging fruit with our key KPIs today. Oh, Oh, that's so (laughs) great. And Leah, from us to you, I mean, you're just such an analytics and presentation guru ninja that we're just delighted to be here. Yeah. We're glad that your podcast has made it. You've had the quality tips dropped by the likes of Eric Feinberg and Jim Stern, and you decided you just needed to regress right to the mean (laughs) by getting the three of us on. That's how I roll. great to e-meet you. It is. It's so great. But except we've met in person, though, so... Um, I invited you guys on today since you're not only analytics rock stars, but you're heating up the measure speaking circuit. And that inevitably means that you've encountered some insane presentation snafus at some point or another. And as a special Thanksgiving time Halloween themed episode, yes, I thought it'd be great to share some of your worst presentation stories, horror stories, either your own and stuff you've seen elsewhere. So why don't we start with our personal horror stories? Uh, Tim, do you want to kick this off? I, I think you have a few nuggets. I may have a few. I mean, I this was interesting because I am pretty nervous about presenting, and I prepare pretty obsessively and get pretty damn comfortable with the material. And I think I'd, I'd, I'm ripe for a horror story if I have to present with very short notice with something that's supposed to be eloquent and in-depth. But I will say one of the horror stories, I think I handled it okay, was when when you witnessed it, was when we were in Australia uh, a couple of months ago. And you could tell every presenter was there early because all of us wanted to hook up and make sure that, hook up our AV, (laughs) to be clear, and be sure that that was, that things were working. And the guy, the AV guy, wasn't. It was only like half an hour before the whole conference started. Before he was ready to try stuff, and everybody who hooked up their projectors, <laughs> their 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 laptops, it wasn't working right. And he kept shifting things around, and he didn't have adapters, and it was kind of a mess. And I was one of the, I was maybe the second or third person to test, and and it worked, and we got it working, and I tried it. It seemed fine, but by like two people after me, when they were trying to test theirs. It didn't work, and so he shuffled some stuff around. So lo and behold, by the time I got up to present and plugged in, he had kind of fiddled with settings, and I was using Prezi, which I have a total love-hate, and it's tilting towards (laughs) hate relationship with it. But I got up and by, in about five seconds, knew that my presentation was wrecked. Like, it was random stuff was clipped, text was not showing up, Images were were cropped in funky ways, and so I had to deliver a 30-minute presentation with not knowing what was going to happen when I hit the next clicker on that. And I think I handled it. It was not helped by the fact that the night before we talked about presentation disasters and like Jim Stern had made the comment. He said, yeah, what's the worst is when something goes wrong and the presenter just can't stop referring to it throughout the whole presentation. Just, you know what? They saw it. Just stick with it. And so I basically stuck with it, except for cases where the literally something was missing, where I would, I would, hit, I would say something, hit click, and something totally random would happen. So I had a few little asides that I just somewhere in the, the rat portion of my brain, <laughs> something just came out of my, my lips. And 
it seemed to have worked okay. Everybody knew that the presentation was completely jacked and the organizers felt horrible and they were pissed at the AV guys. And I feel like I recovered. I don't feel, think it distracted a whole lot from the the content, but I'm certainly never going to look back on that presentation without thinking of it as the time that the connection of the video was just completely screwed up. <laughs> that guy was the worst. I mean... I remember, I know some people cut it close, but I couldn't believe how not ready he was. And the fact that he had set everyone up and had tested and then decided to completely change the configuration the minute everyone went on stage, including for me too, which resulted in an interesting snafu of my own. But I have to say, you handled it so well because it was hilariously funny where some parts, like you would build up the anticipation, were like, and there's only one thing to do. When you would click to reveal it, only like t- the top half of the sentence came out and you just were like, rip, 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 rip. Yeah. and the place just died. And I think that was really pro. Anytime you can insert the word redacted into a presentation <laughs> spontaneously, you're, yeah. you're living, living the dream. But Yeah, that guy yeah. was awful. <laughs> and he definitely stole my dongle. So, um, yeah, that, that was a classic, and I was there to witness it, but really the handling was very pro. So I would say stuff's going to happen. Just roll with it. People want to laugh, and, you know, like, don't make it feel like it's the end of the world, or I guess they will see it that way. Well, and um, I thought I was, so, I was so comfortable with the material that it was, it was a constant track running through my brain of, mm-hmm. holy crap, this is screwed up, holy crap, this is screwed up, but at the same time, 85% of my attention was focused on the content and the delivery. So right. it it wasn't disastrous. But man, if that had been like the third presentation I'd ever given at a conference uh, and I'd flown to another <laughs> continent to do it, I, I mean, I would have needed to go change my pants afterwards. <laughs> well, thank you for that. So that's a good one. Michael, do you have anything to share with us? The oh, more horrific, I've the better. A tale or two. You know, <laughs> For whatever reason, my bad situations or horror stories usually tend to be around how much energy I'm projecting or not projecting in a given talk or presentation. I guess I tend to be a little bit low-key, and so people have called me out on that. But I remember one time, so I I got um, a chance to present at eMetrics Toronto. It was actually my first time ever pre- presenting at an eMetrics, and so... I did a great job. I really prepared like Tim Wilson style <laughs> and people really liked it. And so one of the people who was there came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, I thought you did a really great job. Would you want to come and present to a conference that we're putting on in Vancouver? And I was like, of course I would. Like who wouldn't <laughs> want to go to Vancouver? And so to do the same same talk, right? So I, I get there. Of course, I don't do any prep because I've already done all the prep. So I've got this cold, right? Of course, no, you don't. And that's the thing is I didn't and you don't. And you still got to basically prepare as much as you had in the past. But I didn't. And so I redid the presentation. I totally messed it up. It went poorly. And I was just there. Like I was so embarrassed. I left the conference early. <laughs> after my talk and I was just like all right I'm out I'm sorry and you know I don't know that John Hosick has ever talked to me since so <laughs> sorry John if you ever listen to this I'm sorry I let you down uh anyways yeah it was it was pretty terrible but yeah definitely around like thinking about preparation being excited about the content as if you're doing it new for the first time even if it's not the first time that's a valuable presenting lesson that I learned that day and those poor people in Vancouver think I'm a schmo. <laughs> well, maybe this is your chance for redemption. I can offer that platform to you now. Unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I agree. I've done uh, my get their attention session probably 10 times at this point. And each time, and I'm actually doing it again next week, each time a week before I start with a daily run through and then like ramp up towards just because I'm never fully confident that I have the whole thing down. And that seems to help a lot. Occasionally there's a presentation that I feel like I've given a hundred times and I've learned the same thing that it's not going to take me as long to Mm -hmm. ramp up the eighth time that I've given it, but to think that, well, I gave it a month ago. I rehearsed the heck out of it before (laughs) I gave it then I'll be fine. 
you know, that doesn't work either. Like I've it, the first time I do a run through saying, "Ooh, yeah, I need to need to kind of polish this thing up a little bit." I think we talked about this when, when we covered something similar on our podcast, but this is going to blow Tim away. Tim, are you sitting down? I don't really prepare very much for stuff. No, I'm serious. No. No, you're, yeah, I'm serious. I mean, I look, I look well put together, but it's a sham. <laughs> so I've never... Um, which, which is funny if you go to our Facebook page, Jim, and look at our little banner that we threw together. You have the most professional speaker-looking photo because you've got that little like earbud had, mic thing. You and, had to go to Russia to get that headshot. Well, hey, right? hey, I went to Russia and all I got was this lousy headshot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but um, so you know, when when I present, like I haven't looked at the slides in six months, or I wrote them in the hotel the night night before, or. So when I'm done, I'm just pleased I didn't swear too much. Um, and I ask a few people, you know, how did that go? Uh, and I do have a good story about Russia to share. But the only issues I've ever had were the uh, when I first started, um, you'd end up getting that slot on the last day of the conference right mm-hmm. after lunch, and you'd be ba- basically presenting to your mom over Skype. <laughs> like there's no one in the room. Tim Mizik, you've seen me on a couple of those ones. And then you just go in and you wing it. And, and so it doesn't matter how good or bad a job you do. It's like seven people and it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just try your hardest. Those aren't fun. The other thing is, is as my rooms have started to get bigger, I've noticed some real diminishing returns in the wing it at the last minute routine. So I'm actually working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So strange. I know, right? So here, here's a tip. Don't write it in the bathroom the morning of... <laughs> There's a little tip from Jim. So like, we're, we're actually... Uh, like on the, the wall of the stall, right in the bathroom or on a notebook? Well, this, this is not an explicit show, so I'm just going to basically... It's awkward to have to run off the stage back to the bathroom to check what <laughs> bullet number four, what point you were going to make. Yeah, that's always delightful when you're presenting in a, in a bullet point or a slide content surprises you. Brilliant what I wrote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm we're actually rather than me just periodically going, Hey, have you got space like I normally do when I speak? Um, we're actually trying to put together a series of events for me to speak at next year. It referenced actually to the designer who's doing the deck, the evolution of Tim's presentation. Because I've seen it like six times and every time it looks better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Yep. You know, maybe maybe preparing has some payoff. I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> or, or repetition. If you say the same damn thing 27 times, by the by the 27th time, it might not have 14 stammers and diversions in it. But my uh, my Russia story is not too bad. So I was asked to represent North American analysts at a, a session in Russia last year. And I flew over with my wife. And we had a lovely week. And it was quite a large, large room. It was probably six or 700 people. Right before I went on stage, I, and again, I, like this, half the picture, pictures of my slides are like of my kids in the tub. Like I didn't even care; I just threw it together. <laughs> well, you've seen this presentation before. It's all my demotivational yep. posters and stuff. So I'm about to go on stage, and they go, "By the way, speak a little bit slower so the interpreter can keep up." And I was like, "What?" And they were like, "This is the first time we've ever done it, but everybody's going to be wearing a headset, and we're going to have an interpreter live translating you into Russian." <laughs> and I, I hadn't thought about that. I, I throw a lot of one-liners when I present, and a lot of them may be really colloquial. Like, I just hadn't thought about mm-hmm. it. And I was like, okay, here we go. And uh, I started to present, and either the translator was really good or he was just making, he was trashing me. I mean, it's not like I could tell. I don't speak Russian. But he was translating so well that my wife was in the next room watching it on, like, a closed-circuit screen, and she thought I was speaking Russian. So that was cool. But I would... Uh, there was about a 10 second delay between me telling a joke and the audience hearing the joke. Oh. And Rus- Russians are not a smiley people. So I'm in front of 700 people and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Ta da. And I tell my little joke and then there's like a long pause of uh, like a sea of blank faces. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> You're like, eh? Like 10, sec- uh? 10 seconds later, everybody's <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> it was weird. It was like um, video lag in real life. And it, it was a little off-putting to have the jokes being laughed at 10 seconds after I told them, and now I'm trying to talk about multivariate testing or something. <laughs> that was that totally threw me, but you just kind of 
talk slow and play it through. I mean, we, we deal with that every time we record because we've got our translator trying to translate the Canadian mm-hmm. stuff that you're saying, and then we have to try to figure out what you were talking about, and it's it's just kind of a constant challenge we have to deal with on, on our podcast every every couple of weeks. It's the magic of post-production, eh? He's making... Yeah, <laughs> yeah you notice no lag whatsoever. It's a really good job. It's... <laughs> All right. Well, those were great stories. And now it's my turn. And I, I don't even know how to choose which one. So I may not even choose. Something that each of you guys talked about made me think of one of my horror stories. So one was being surprised by what came uh, by a slide that showed up. I was giving a talk. And my final motivational piece is you are your presentation, not your PowerPoint. It's like this call to, you know, call to arms. And the night before, I had very late, I had switched the, the layout of that slide, and it switched around two of the text boxes perfectly so that when I read the slide, it said, you are your PowerPoint, not your presentation, which was the worst way to end that whatsoever. <laughs> Remember, everybody, if you don't get that PowerPoint right, you're done. <laughs> I had just spent three hours talking about <laughs> making your PowerPoint great and how you are the most important ingredient and this and that. And it was the absolute worst way to cap that off. But did you, how did you recover? I just burst out laughing and I said, children, there are so many lessons in this <laughs> that I've just talked about. And I said, like, and everyone was laughing. I mean, obviously it was just like a complete fluke. And you can I'm, say that the, the classroom will disregard, the jury will disregard. <laughs> exactly. Do as I say, not yeah. as I do. So that was an interesting moment for my confidence, but I think I weathered it okay and everyone everyone was laughing. So, But man, that took me down a few notches. And then um, similar thing, uh, the technical stuff with, you know, between our trip to Australia, other trips with, I've had dead video cables that just didn't send images. I had in Australia, I'm presenting and I'm talking about the art of slide design and I turn around to face my slide and I see that it's completely yellow, like someone had peed all over my slides. It was awful. And here I am talking about design. But the the story that I want to, so I, I get three, the story that I really want to talk about is about custom fonts, because this was a really hard lesson learned. I love using custom fonts. I'm a font enthusiast, if you will. And I really think that finding like a, a font that's strong or really speaks to the personality of you and your slides is a great way to stand out for a, a high stakes presentation. The problem is there are a landmine for potential issues where for one conference, um, they had a little bit of mix up backstage where the computer I was supposed to be presenting on had all the fonts installed, everything had been tested. And then the person that owned that computer left the conference and everyone got locked out of their computer. No one had the password. So at the last second, we had to switch computers and my fonts wouldn't actually go on there we had like minutes (laughs) so i i was just like okay and my mistake where i take responsibility is i left my laptop at home which would have at the hotel which would have solved all of that so never doing that again but once again i'm out there on stage talking about the importance of good design and things like that and i'm looking and the fonts look like my three-year-old had just like stomped all over and (laughs) had like done it for his uh afternoon project Lesson there is if you're going to go the custom font route, you know, have triple layers of backup, PDFs, your own computer, all other kinds of things. Maybe a copy that has like a default font that'll work. But I don't think I don't think it's just fonts, right? That's kind of the the what are the three levels of redundancy that you have, you know, that are mm-hmm. I've got my laptop, it's on a USB drive. Hell, I've got a PDF that may not be perfect, but worst case. And you, you kind of can tell by the conferences how much they've thought through, you know, what's what's their checking and double checking. Like an internet retailer, they're like, you get your butt into the room, this totally other room when you get there, and they're going to fire it up and make sure it works. And you know, they're gonna they're gonna triple check everything. And I think just it's the reality that some conference, some some presentations, conferences or not, 
there's varying levels of redundancy that others are taking care of. And there are, it's, I always have at least one fallback plan. You know, the nice thing about Prezi is I can always run it off the internet, but I'll also have the local USB copy. I'll have my version on a USB drive. And I've definitely, when they say, oh, be sure to stop by the room and check out and make sure it works, damn straight, I'm stopping by the room <laughs> hours in advance to make sure it works. Well, you know what they say about fonts. Nobody bans Comic Sans. Huh? I was going to say, what better way to stay professional (laughs) with wingdings? Wingdings and clip art. I just just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Okay. Choke that back. Um, So that's a good one. Uh, Triple layers of backup. So what I normally do is I have my presentation on my local computer file on a USB on Google Drive and in both PowerPoint and a PDF format that will display correctly just in case. One of my prior guests, Eric Feinberg, that was episode seven, did something pretty amazing during another presentation horror story I witnessed where um, one of the clients was showing a video of, I think, session replay, and the video wouldn't start for like 10 minutes. I mean, this was really, really bad. Just the whole energy had stopped basically so eric actually got up on stage and started to tap dance to no music whatsoever without doing 20 push-ups beforehand he just had to mm, jump up cold i or think did he, he i think he, he did it cold a, he would have been up sooner but he had to run backstage and do 20 push-ups and <laughs> then he right. came out is there anything that guy can't do though <laughs> come on um but i just i think that was great because really the energy was at a total standstill and it takes a lot of courage to just get up and do something like that i don't i don't think and i used to tap dance and i don't think i could get up and do that i I mean it takes a lot of courage but at the same time the audience nobody likes watching somebody die right so if anybody like that's actually trying to hop in and save a totally misguided horrible presentation of an analysis i mean i think at a conference I, i could say i mean eric's amazing so fantastic that he did it but at the same time nobody wants anybody to fail like they nobody wants to sit through something horrible and painful so recognizing that that they everybody kind of wants the presenter to succeed so anything you can do to help yourself or the presenter you're going to be given a little leeway for making the attempt i think i think that's great i might quote that no one wants to see you fail it's true everyone's been up there and everyone's had to struggle. And I, I, I really think if you're relating to the audience, they want you to get through that. Tim Wilson, I can't believe that you would say that while having participated in many an eMetrics back channel conversation. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's watching people. I don't want them to... F- <laughs> I mean, that brings up my, my horror uh, Oh, Yes. Being part of the back channel, so splitting a session with somebody, which was kind of a, you're not getting a session, you're going to split it with somebody. I tried to coordinate and think, hey, we'll do this, we'll coordinate, we'll do a dual session. And this guy was non-responsive, not going to have anything of that. He was working on his slides. He sent me a message during the session before ours and said, can you come to the speaker room so I can run through what my slides are just so you know. We'd already decided we were going to split it. And to his credit, he said, you want to go first. He's like, you do not want to follow me. Just trust me. I said, fine. So I got up. I had a fine, well-polished, organized, useful information for 25 minutes. It, it was all right, Tim. It was, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just <laughs> Were you in the room for that one? Yes, I was. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. What I did not know was that I had my phone not turned off, which would have been optimal, but I had it on quiet, vibrate. And set it down on the table because I had to then sit on the table on the stage while this guy, who was crazy and went through like 150 slides in 25 minutes and had random images and was kind of bouncing off the walls and the back channel was going a little bit berserk. And it wasn't that mine was fine. It's just nobody retained anything for mine because they just got completely steamrolled by utter craziness. It's always a good sign when the first thing out of their mouth is, I've got 140 slides, but don't worry, I talk really fast. <laughs> yeah. That's like, oh, we're in for a treat. And I mean, there was spittle flying, and it was, um, 
And that was one where I'm like, gee, I, I put a whole lot of preparation and polish into having something that was very tangible. And I, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I, it was not, not my world's greatest, most engaging session. It was on, it was on social media. Thought it had some decent tips, some takeaways, the right volume of content for 25 minutes, and then followed by somebody who had two hours or maybe had an hour's worth of content that he crammed into 25 minutes and just blew through it and was entertaining as hell. But nobody walked out of that with anything other than that guy was crazy. (laughs) Uh, You know, and he was entertaining. So it's like on on the one hand, it was. Well, that was a fun session because it was just watching just a genuinely bizarre persona on stage and kind of a fail for me because I'm like, well, that's the the exact opposite of me being reasonably polished and deliberate and concise. Yeah, that's I actually at that same conference managed to rack up a horror story because the night before I was supposed to go on stage in a panel I decided that it'd be a great idea to hang out with everybody and really have a great time. Can you can you define have a great time Michael? Well, I think at about 3:30 in the morning I was out on the street with Eric Peterson and Joe Stanhope <laughs> eating halal truck food <laughs> and just raving about how good it was. Eric Peterson will probably deny this ever happened, but he was there. It was us three, which is funny because I don't really know Joe Stanhope that well at all, but we were having a great time. And then I had to get up the next morning, and I was very hungover. Mm. And so that whole lack of energy thing, super pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> that so whole, that was, you weren't running to the bathroom for an, your fourth bullet point? You were. Well, luckily, it was just a, just a very subdued, like, hey, everybody. You know, it's like... <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about my favorite topic, which is attribution. <laughs> you know, and so yeah, it was. Uh, that was not a, uh, a shining star of a moment there. Oh, that's a good one, though. Thanks for sharing. So, <laughs> actually, Tim, I think you had started segueing into this, where talking about the horror stories that we've witnessed from other people. So, does that count as your witnessing, or do you have anything else uh, come into mind? Uh, I have got, I've got others. I mean, the, the, the macro one, and it's, it's one of those where they're witnessed because I can't even describe specific ones because they're so unmemorable. It's just slide after slide droning. And no matter how hard I work, I cannot pay attention. And I can't name, I can't name one. That's, that's half of the, the ones that I see. And that, that's conference presentations. That's analysis results. Uh, yeah. so those kind of have to like set those aside as that's, and, and the problem is the presenter doesn't even realize that they're dying and that's almost the worst part of it. If, if you die once and I think, wow, you realized that you died on stage and you work like hell and never let that happen again. That's great. But I mean, I've got, there was one that was a, it was an interesting little conference where it was kind of, kind of an informal conference with little quick hit, little sort of 10-minute things, get up, kind of share a few tips. I'll leave it as vague as that. Mm-hmm. And and it was interesting because the idea of the conference was let's keep it informal, but it had been around for a while. And, you know, if you have 10 minutes, it's I, I've watched this happen a couple of times, actually. Watched it happen in Accelerate as well. People think it's a short presentation. I don't need to prepare that much. It's just 10 minutes. You know, I can stand up and just talk about this one thing for 10 minutes. And what happens is this rambling, horrible thing that does, if it's 10 minutes and, you know, you better be really honed in on the one or two takeaways and you better really have a deliberate story that builds and reinforces what that point is. So there was one that, that where, where literally it was, it was, it was five minutes, which is incredibly short and watch somebody get less than halfway through the content they had and they were out of time. Uh, yeah. One of the 10 minute ones, it was, you know, the, the presenter got up and he just sort of started talking. He, he opened up with saying, I haven't really prepared. That's uh, not, <laughs> thank you. I have no respect for you as an audience. I have not really prepared. Uh, now he went on to a few other things where it was, and maybe it's because he realized by the time he stood up that, Oh shoot, I should have prepared. But his mouth got really dry. 
you know what the conference usually they're pretty good about having a pitcher or bottles of water this one didn't but it was an informal conference and so his mouth got so dry partway through his 10 minutes that he had to stop and run across the room <sighs> to get water and he had energy, right? So I, I'll give him that. I mean, he was enthusiastic, but it was one of those where you're just watching it thinking, what what else is going to happen? You know, here's the, you were waiting for him to trip and, you know, face plant on his way back from getting the bottle of water to, to finish presenting. So it was, that one was a little painful to watch. And again, it's one where I, I don't know if the presenter realized, gee, I should do better next time. Mm-hmm. I should put more time and preparation into it. So... There's kind of my amalgamation of horror stories. <laughs> that was pretty horrific, if I, if I say so. So keeping water up there, just being prepared, but also just taking a minute to step outside and be aware of kind of the energy coming towards you, I think is super important, and not everyone does that. What about you, Mike? Do you have any horror stories you've witnessed? Oh, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> there, was this, there was this one time... There's this, so it was the first Accelerate conference in San Francisco. And there's this one guy there. I think we all know who he is. He deployed this super cheap mechanism to get everyone <laughs> to like his talk better. <laughs> so it, that I'm was so like intrigued. four years ago, and it still rankles. I walked away with $500. Yeah. So that was <laughs> when they were, yeah, they would rate them. And Tim Wilson, bless his little heart. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, no, that's not really it. No, actually, I have a fun story to tell. We got, and this is actually more in a corporate setting. We're presenting analysis data and, and, you know, some things to marketing where I worked. And our director of business intelligence at the time was someone who would get excited about a particular thing. Um, And what I didn't know was that he didn't always have any idea where that was going. So, I, as an eager young analyst, had been, you know, honing my skills and building out different kinds of visualizations. And I think I found this one on John Peltier's site where they'd actually taken and created a 3D Excel chart, like rotated around and you could actually, yeah, it was far out stuff. (laughs) So the director of business intelligence got so excited about that visual he had to show it to the CMO and the VP of marketing and everybody. So we got into a meeting and he's like, put this, this, and this in it. But he just had this thing up there and he was spinning it around and showing everybody how cool it was. And I was just sort of like, wait a second, this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and yeah, it was, ugh, it was rough. And that was uh, a good education. There, From there, I only used my visual skills for good and not evil. <laughs> That's very reassuring. Yeah. That's a good one. Know what your what your end is when you start at the beginning, I think, is probably the takeaway there. Know yeah. what your end is. Okay. I don't mind watching someone bomb a little bit if they're trying to teach me something. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I've found that the presentations I've gone to that have really – man, it's hard to not swear in a podcast that has hurt <laughs> me. The ones that have irked me. <laughs> made me feel fecally the most are uh, they're um, they're what I call vendor pimping mm. wait can I say that vendor solicitation anyways yes you know the ones you go to and sometimes they're well delivered but they're just as bad as if they'd been bad and the really interesting concept in the title was just a light scattering of gold flake on a really rough pitch mm. For the vendor that they're partnered with, you know, it, it's supposed to be best practices in email analytics, and it turns out it's a pitch for responses. Mm. Um, the worst ones are when someone bombs and they have no substance. So kind of my mm. one rule for presentations that I give and definitely ones that I want to sit through is I want to walk out of there with one thing. Just give me one thing that I can do when I go back to work that I want to do when I go back to work. Um, and you know, so when I sit through someone's presentation, I, I've sat through some, and I'm going to bring up eMetrics, not to hate on it, because I think one of the things that's fantastic about eMetrics is that they they on purpose give a lot of people the chance to present for the first time, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's part of the the reason that that community is so strong. You know, how often do you get to present at a conference in front of your peers? Uh, and I think that Mr. Stern and the organizers do a great job of letting a, a new group every year kind of take their first shot. And like Tim said earlier. 
it's okay to bomb once. <laughs> right? Everybody, and then you learn. <laughs> and then you learn. But uh, the ones where you didn't do a good job, you didn't understand your subject matter, and I didn't get a single interesting thing, if I can even get the third one, I'll forgive the other two. Mm. I don't know if you guys feel the same way about quality of content versus delivery sometimes. I, I had this week, I was on a call. So this was kind of results being presented. It's a bi-weekly call. It's a bunch of people, different agencies with kind of the main brand. And at one point they said, now, if you look at the second tab on the spreadsheet, and this was on a conference call, and you can sort of see how this stuff is trending. And it was four rows across like, 20 columns and it was two different metrics like side by side plus a divider like you literally had to look at every third column in the fourth row and read the numbers to see what was trending and I found myself it was painful just to even extract the data so that I could chart it but I think that even when there's substance because I couldn't they were saying you can see and it was no like you literally could not see and I charted it and I'm like they made a statement, and I'm not sure it's really as self-evident as they're saying. I could see if I was reading the numbers, I might sort of see this one number jump up. So I'd, I'd argue a little bit when somebody stands up and they're making an effort and maybe they have a good point, but they have put so little prep into it that I am having to work so hard just to pay attention. And maybe that's maybe that's me, but I'm going to claim that that's a lot of your audience is not willing to say, I'm going to knuckle down and focus really hard as you screw up your presentation to me. <laughs> um, there may be substance there, but if you're making it that, if I have to work that hard to figure out what it is, that's challenging. I'm going to say I'm in that camp a little bit where even if there's something of substance, sometimes if they're not delivering in a way that is clear and energetic, it might just completely bypass me. Uh, maybe I'm a really tough... I probably have ADD and I, I'm a tough person to keep engaged, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say it's a combination of both for me. Well, well, and I would say to the e-metric example, there's a guy I know pretty well and he kind of bombed at one e-metrics and another, another awesome thing about e-metrics is that you do get feedback. Like mm-hmm. you get the comments, they collect them. It may not be the highest response rate, but you get enough. And he told me that he said, I got some pretty harsh feedback but Jim and I talked about it or they had a communication. He's like, he's, he's given me another shot. And son of a gun, if he showed up, you know, three months later and was delivering the same points, he'd winnowed it down a little bit because that was part of the issue is kind of covering a little bit too much. And he did a, I wouldn't say he completely crushed it and knocked it out of the park, but it was an order of magnitude better. I mean, it was a, it was good, solid content and presentation, I absolutely walked out. And so that was one where, I, hey, I got to see somebody who who I knew had good content and it just killed me to watch him the mm. first time. And then he turned around and, and he realized that I can do better. And he thought about it and he worked hard on it and he did much better. And you know what? He's going to do much better at the next one and the next one and the next one, regardless of what the topic or the, the forum is. And What's also funny about eMetrics with uh, shamelessly promoting my uh, most recent episode with Krista Seiden, that's episode 009. She told me that Jim gave her the opportunity to speak the first time at eMetrics, and I'm sure she had great content, but she said that she had a lot of work to do in terms of the delivery aspect and, you know, doing that over and over, it has been a great launch pad for her to learn and grow to see where she is now. So if you want to get on that circuit... E-metrics is the way to go. So back to other presenting horror stories. I'll share the one that I witnessed a few years ago. So this was one of my first speaking engagements, and I was keeping a very close eye on the audience to see what the energy was like, how receptive they were, how energetic. And this one guy goes up, and I've never seen anyone so disconnected from the audience and in his own bubble. It was like he was stalking around like an animal inside his own bubble, just saying thing after thing, slide after slide. There was no connective tissue. There was nothing to grab onto. Like Jim, you talked about, give me this one thing. I waited and waited and it never happened. And at the end of it, I had no clue what I was supposed to take away from that. 
and it felt offensive. It was he had almost like a animosity towards the audience. It, it was crazy. And right after he finished, I overheard someone behind me turn to someone else and say, "That was the worst presentation I've ever seen." And I couldn't believe someone actually articulated that. You know, he was from a great company, and I'm sure he does great with his work. But I was just so amazed at how disconnected he was from the audience and not engaging them at all. It's like, why are you even there? You know, is it just to talk to yourself in a large room, or is it really to give someone else an experience? So that was pretty horrific for me. Okay, so thanks for sharing. These stories are awesome, and I think very cautionary tales, all of them. And now I call the next segment the upgrade, which is some power tip for doing anything that we're talking about better. So, do you have? Uh, I mean, we've dropped a number of tips as we've as we went along, but Tim, do you have any other specific tips to share about just not crashing and bombing in general, Tim style? Having a slide that is a, a template, one of your templates, or two or three of them that are kind of just set for like ten or twelve words on a light background and 10 or 12 words on a dark background where you can just make that kind of one big idea, one bold statement. When I'm presenting like that, whether presenting at a conference or even presenting an analysis, kind of the setup, and you can have three or four of those that are almost literally what you're saying. And that's okay because you're it is the, the like the core of the narrative and it's your if it's your transition, if it's what you're building. And I I watched him do it so effectively, and I've sort of realized how much it's permeated what I've done. I've actually watched some other people who've seen me present a number of times. They've started to pick it up, and they've gotten good results with it as well. So I've, I sort of feel like I've I've sort of absorbed this thing that is actually can be really really effective. Um, I used to grapple when they say never have a font smaller than forty point or whatever mm-hmm. the guideline is in PowerPoint, and I'm like that's ridiculous that's unreasonable <laughs> and it is for some slides and some content but having those i'm going to whittle this down to a high impact statement or if i have a a setup and then the follow through i'm going to make two slides with that i may go through them really quickly but wow if the audience is reading along with me and i'm just saying it or maybe i'm just very slightly paraphrasing it that seems to be a way that really can kind of move the story and the narrative uh, along. I use that technique as well, the statement slide. I think it's great because instead of having slide after slide that all looks the same and has charts and things that look really similar, it helps to break things up visually, but it also helps you stop and create like a tweetable moment if it's like a, a conference presentation. Um, so that will be going in the well, uh, show notes. Yeah, no, and hopefully, I mean, it's it should be for it, it's not everything. It's like you, it's going to force you to figure out what are right. what are my key points. Those are the things that get that that treatment. It's not it's not I've got 140 slides and it's just going to be you know half a statement on every one of them that I'm walking through. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still got to have some degree of selectivity. Agreed. Good one, Mike. Power tip. Oh, I've got. A lot of power tips. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as presentations go, I mean, you two are like the the real pros. Aww. But I think w- there's certainly something to be said for you know the concept of understanding the difference between you know the conference room and the ballroom, right? In terms of the, how the presentation is structured, right? So what, how you put information on a slide. If you're doing a presentation in front of a large audience. Use stock photography or art or pictures or visualization to make the point emotionally. Like give something people stuff to look at that's gonna back up what you're saying. Because yeah, you can distract from that. I also think this is more of a um, this is not really a how to use a tool, but I'll just tell you how I gauge success and speaking opportunities is by the number of tweets and laugh lines. That's how I figure out if I've done well. Because if you're saying something that people are taking away and it's memorable to them, they're going to tweet it. And so you'll see tweets going and you'll see, okay, they're good. People were taking away some of the things I was saying. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ways I measure that. And then if I can make people laugh. And I, what, what I found is that actually humor is a great way to get people to open up as you're about to make an important point. Mm-hmm. So if you can, you know, use humor to really bond with the audience and then that gives you an opening to then be able to say at some point, either soon after or right after, you know, kind of something that's very important you wanted to make sure they get and they take away or think about. 
And then I don't know about you guys, but I always I keep like folders full of different kinds of Excel uh, sheets that have data visualizations or PowerPoint templates or things I run across on the web, like I download and I keep in folders and I break it out by year that I found it and all this kind of stuff. And then from time to time, go back through and be like, oh yeah, I need to use that. Like, you know, here's a really great example of how to build a bullet chart in Excel Mm. or you know, these kinds of things. And of course, you know, as Excel versions have gone up over the years, you know, some of those, you know, fall out of favor or whatever. Or, you know, back in my day, spark lines weren't built in. <laughs> you had to Excel. make a little small exactly. chart. Yeah, exactly. Or you had to get a <laughs> plug-in for it or something, you know. But there were there were like plugins that were helpful. Like there was um, somebody made this chart cleaner plugin. It would remove all the chart junk from the standard Excel hmm. and take it about 85% of the way there. And I don't think that's something that probably work today. And, and frankly, Excel chart visuals are slightly better than they've used to be. Um, you still need to fix some things. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I like to keep those. I just like to have lots of reference points. So I would say that's the other tip I would say is hang on to lots of reference points so you have a, sort of a library you can pull from of useful visuals, useful information. You know, the little pie chart where it looks like Pac-Man. <laughs> you know, just never know when you need that. Tim really loves how pie charts really explain relationships between two things. Very clearly and quickly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned a reference of like an archive of all charts because that's actually something as a little project of mine right now. So stay tuned for that. Jim. If you want to contribute to it, Michael. Yeah. Sounds like she- You can find me on Kickstarter. <laughs> I met him in the stuff he'd found over the years, but uh, oh. <laughs> I, but hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> Oops, Jim, do you have Michael, a power tip for us? I don't know, but Michael's folders of pictures are more organized than anything in my whole life. Aww. <laughs> that's amazing. I want to be you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I think I'm a very good speaker, and I don't think I'm a particularly solid presenter. So I don't know if I have anything that I would share and not end up sandbagging everyone who <laughs> listened took it seriously. Um, I think the only thing that um, I would share is just there. There is uh, some science and some art to this, just like being a good analyst, you know. So there are people who can build gorgeous presentations and have well practiced delivery, and there are people who have something to say, and they're not always the same people. Mm. So. You know, I'm. Uh, I think I'm reasonable at the art and shite at the science of presenting. Um, so it's actually, as I mentioned earlier, something I'm going to work on next year. So tips on how to be awesome at it. Listen to other people's tips. I guess <laughs> if, if nice. only there was a podcast you could listen to, Jim. I know. That would right? Teach you some of these pro science tips. You know, it is about presenting here, effectively. The first step. Yeah. So I could talk about this stuff all night with you guys. But we've run out of time. So please tell the listeners where they can keep up with you and uh, how they can stalk you. As Leah mentioned at the top of the show, the three of us do uh, collaborate on the Digital Analytics Power Hour, which uh, we happily host every other Tuesday. And we'd love to have you check us out if you'd like to. Um, For my part, I don't think I have anything to plug except... (laughs) You know, search discovery is a pretty amazing place to work. So if you're looking for a job in analytics, uh, I can't not do I'm, it. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, that's usually I'm, I usually manage to beat you to the punch to plug search discovery know, somewhere. Okay. To work. <laughs> well, you looking know, for I, a career indoors. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, it's great because as people get to like the two year mark of being there, I'm like, so great, you're beating the industry average. Way to go. <laughs> You know, it's so uh, we'll see if we can get some people to three and four years, then we'll really have something. But, um, no, I don't know. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, and uh, that's all I've got. Okay. Where can people find you guys on Twitter? Yeah, I am at MIMO on Twitter, not to be confused with the wearable technology that's headquartered in Dubai, also <laughs> called MIMO. I was on Twitter well before this piece of Internet of Things was around, but uh, it's M Y M O. M-Y-M-O, yep. Nice. Uh, and so that's where you can find me on Twitter. I'm, I'm at I'm at T.G. Wilson, but I probably these days wind up spending a little more time on the, the Measure Slack. So 
probably ought to throw a, a plug that doesn't directly benefit. It's not really where we are exactly. <laughs> we are there with, with several hundred other people, but bit.ly slash add measure slack with the A, the M, and the S all capitalized. If you're not on Slack, you should get on there because it's a great little community and there's there's a data visualization channel that Lee is pretty active on mm-hmm. and is lots of lots of examples in there of the good and the bad. Like that's kind of data visualization candy. And if anyone wants to follow Jim, where are you at, Jim? Uh, no? uh, I can give you our street address. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not good at the social media, but I'd probably the easiest one is Twitter, which would be Jim underscore Kane. Jim Jim is actually also the the social media manager for the Digital Analytics Power Hour podcast, and I think yeah, and I, I think he, he has <laughs> demonstrated job. there that he's not very good at social media. I've managed to not log into Facebook all week, so wow. technically, I'm on point. That's an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was transformational for me. I don't know about you guys, but this was this was really as fun as I more fun than I even expected, and I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. So, thanks so much for being on the show. And keep on keeping on. Namaste. Namaste. Oh, that was so much fun. And I think actually very instructive when it comes to all the things that can and do go so very wrong when you present. And I think the thing to remember about this, and I've, I've tried to tell myself this is when you feel like it's all going down the crapper, just remember that everyone in your audience has experienced this at some point. Your clients, your team, your conference presentation audience, they have all experienced these issues and how you roll with it and play it off is really going to make the difference between an extremely awkward moment and really winning them over, which is what you want to do no matter what. And if you're Michael Helbling... Make sure not to go to bed too late before your presentation the next day, or you just might falafel. Oh, I'll be here all night. (laughs) Tough crowd. So now I want to hear from you. I want to hear your darkest, most bone-chilling presentation tales of horror. I love collecting these stories. And I think this is such an interesting topic that we can all have a little bit of fun with, you know, sharing our war stories. So please hop on over to leahpika.com slash 010 and leave a comment sharing your very worst. And if you visit the show notes page, you can also catch all of the resources mentioned in the episode review the notes, download a copy, view the transcript. I would love if you could leave me a comment because I want to hear about what you struggle with most. And if you like what you've heard, hop on over to iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are so appreciated because they help boost the rankings of the show and help other practitioners like yourself find this information. And I'll be reading out my favorite ones on future episodes. So to do that, please visit leahpeak.com slash pbmitunes. Or you can tweet me a question for the show by including my Twitter handle, which is at leahpeak, and including the hashtag pbm as in present beyond measure. And I'm going to leave you with today's bit of presentation inspiration. And that is from Richard Klein, and it is, Confidence is preparation. Everything else is beyond your control. Very wise words for today's episode. Do what you can, and don't sweat what you can't. Namaste. <laughs> so I love this country. Exactly. Anything in Canada. Anything. Well, actually, Vancouver is amazing. Like that's that's correct. It mm-hmm. is super awesome. It's you know, having been there once now, I would love to go back. It's no Ottawa. It's almost Ottawa nice. Yeah, I agree with you. Tim. It's almost <laughs> Ottawa nice. I don't want to go to Vancouver. Uh, nice. Listen, so. I, I, I like to have a kind of a modern interpretive dance version of the presentation as well, just in case. So I'm usually wearing tights. If I need to, I just can kind of strip and just go without any, any AV whatsoever. That was a lovely image. Thank you for sharing that. But I, I mean, it was, it was a have great... You seen, have you seen the hair on that guy? <laughs> oh my God. It does have his own Twitter handle. I mean...
Unless you start drinking nettle tea nonstop. <laughs> I was going right to recommend now. some colloidal silver. Yeah, See? Colloidal silver. I knew colloidal? there was. Colloidal? Colloidal. Colloidal. Not coital. Tim. That sounds like a Latvian action hero. Colitis silver. Rock flag and presentation fails. Yeah. Oh, I have to use that. It works for that yeah. I heard a little Johnny Cash tinge in there. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Tim has a beautiful singing voice. Oh. 